Well, good afternoon to our listeners and good afternoon, Samuel. We are here again with Q&A with Samuel Chisichetti from Ark Church. Great to be here in the studio. Good afternoon, Alida. It's uh, a huge, huge, uh, you know, excitement, uh, to say the least, especially when I get our, you know, intro cheering and clapping. It just <laughs> lightened the mood. And yep. uh, and we're good to go. It's a, it's a pleasure to have our listeners always tuning in on a, on a Sunday like this uh, to, uh, you know, have a bit of a discussion. Yeah, and we have been discussing some uh, interesting things. Uh, we started a discussion last week on politics, Christians and politics, and what we should be um, thinking about. Uh, and I think it was interesting because, you know, we, we discussed that Christians have slowly sort of withdrawn themselves from that particular area of, of life. Um, some people who have gone into the political sphere uh, talk about leaving their uh, religion at the door when they go into the, into the political building, which I think is an interesting comment. But anyway, um, but a lot of Christian people have really turned their backs on politics. And so because the space is vacant, others have gone into that space who don't carry the same values that we do. And we also talked about, um, you know, how how we we have a value system um, and what, what actually informs that value system. And we talked about the morality that has come through um, the Bible and through the Judeo-Christian uh, faith and um and how that has informed our rules and our laws but slowly but surely these have been eroded and we now find ourselves in a position where there are laws in place that are directly contrary to what the bible teaches and what christians believe and what god wants from his people and that is because we have really taken our eye off the ball yeah um yeah, it's it's um it's a rather an interesting point there uh, that you start with a leader just in relation to the things that we started to discuss last week, because um you know without having properly defined politics, which what we did, uh, it's the art of governing. So wherever you have uh, entities, you know human beings and, and different you know stakeholders or competing needs, you need to have the ability to govern to be able to harmonize the flow uh, of interaction, the flow of commerce, the flow uh, you know, of you know, this power structure within society, the rules that govern everybody so that we can live harmoniously. Yes. And you can't do that without having a certain moral system because whatever law, whatever rule you pass, you want it to be fair, to be just. And so there are a number of things that need to come in play for you to be able to, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, to be able to speak of any well-governed society, it has to start with a certain moral standpoint. That's where mm. we started from. Yeah. And whatever moral standpoint you have upon which you are building your laws, then it must be justifiable or justified. In other words, it must be grounded somewhere. You must be able to tell us where do you get your morality from how do we do you ground your morality it's, it's called the question of ontology so you know it's a grounding principle okay well i think this is right because i think this is wrong because mm -hmm. all right so then people started to to look for ways uh to ground their morals and and we looked at all the attempts to try to ground morality whether by the you know 
majority of society. Well, no, that doesn't work because some so societies in majority believe that slavery was right. Mm. And the minority had to challenge them, say, well, no, it is not right. And, and had to call upon another you know, principle, at least another source of morality greater than the majority. You see what I mean? In yeah. societies where it was apartheid, for yeah. example, the majority could have believed it's okay to segregate people like this. And moral reformers, whether it's Mandela or people like Martin Luther King, they had to call upon another moral law that was higher above the majority of the people at the time. You can't draw morality from law because the laws themselves could be unjust and immoral. That's why you can reform and change laws. We made those points. You can't draw morality from you know evolution or evolutionary ethics. No, you can't do it. And so because you're left to justify at which point did society end up being more, you can say, oh, no, no, because as human beings, we have to treat each other right. Well, you've just said you have to treat each other. Who says, who says that? So you have to sort of go, well, we started to do that because, you know, it's, it's cooperation. If I scratch your back, you'll scratch mine. Well, not necessarily because some people like Mussolini or people like Hitler would say, well, I want everybody to scratch my back and I'm going to scratch no one's back. Mm. And and if they have enough power, what are you going to say? That's how we get dictatorship and stuff like that. You can't assume that humans will always treat each other right. Which world are you coming from? Where have we been sleeping since the last 20th century where human beings treated each other like 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 you know you've never seen before? So this this idea flows from humanism, you know, the idea that humans will always treat others well, no. Most people who hold that idea live in a Western society that was dominated by the Judeo-Christian worldview. Yeah, exactly. And the Judeo-Christian worldview starts with God. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, the most, most, uh, you know, when I was a union leader, he, uh, I, had, I had this discussion with some of my university lecturers. You know, I said to them, you people, you have no idea. You live in the West. You have not traveled everywhere else to see how human beings live. I'll give you an example, uh, j j just and then I'll let you, uh, you know, put in some thoughts uh, that you have. You know, I, I met a, uh, here in the Congo, um, a, a missionary who goes to the pygmies. Now, uh, you know, he's a, he's a part of what we call the Bantu tribes. Like, I am a Muntu tribe. Uh, so it's, it's the biggest, largest group in sub-Saharan Africa, all the way to the southern Africa. So... The Bantus, you know, their morphology, their body structure, you know, they're a lot larger than the pygmies. And guess what? The Bantus don't think that the pygmies are human beings like mm -hmm. them. Yeah. So the Bantus, in the places where he goes to them, these are between black people, right? black on black. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bantus basically treat pygmies like they were not human beings at all. This is a human condition. If you live in a Western society, and you think, you know, this parasitical ideology of humanism that was pegged on the back of the Judeo-Christian worldview that people are starting to lift to say, well, you know, we're humans, you know, we treat each other right. No, it has never been like that. It was not like that with the Romans or even with the Greeks. Their political structures were set that power was concentrated in the hands of the few. People who had power based on bloodline, you know, it was like you're born in what family? You know, the family you brought, bought from, uh, you, you've, you've born from, that's the family that determines your value and your wealth. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it's 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 rather interesting uh, that uh, you know without a good proper justification of the moral uh, you know ground upon which you get your moral sense, uh, then you can't set laws that are moral to be able to justify them properly, and, and so you you end up with a society that is all you know you know tyrannical in nature, and so the Judeo-Christian worldview gave us the society we have. This is, can't be denied. Most great historians, I did quote, um, you know, Mr. Holland last time, you know, great historians will tell you that it is because of Christianity and the belief in the Christian uh, uh, Bible, like the Judaism and Christianity, uh, all the New Testament, that we have had the kind of political systems we have. And so that's my initial thought. But I'm going to come back to, you know, some people who say I leave my Christian faith at the door. I want to talk about that. Well, yeah, and that that's the sort of stuff that we need to be thinking about while we are um, looking at the candidates that yeah. are in our, you know, because obviously we're in election mode. Um, you know, those candidates that are are going to be representing us within the parliamentary system. We need to understand uh, what they believe in. And it isn't, isn't it interesting that there is this, um, this historical uh, evidence for hundreds of years how human beings have reacted and, and interacted with each other and, and this hierarchy, which is still on display now. Uh, people call people the elites and then, you know, other people are called just fodder. And, you know, there's, there's this description that goes on within the political sphere that just says that one group of people has got more worth than another group of people. And uh, we really need to know exactly yeah. what it is that we're, um, that we're looking yeah. at uh, when we're talking about the people that are going to be representing us and making laws that we have to then <laughs> abide by. And so it, it's rather interesting. Let's just start, start with this thing really gets to me um, uh, uh, seriously there. Uh, and I think I will open it up, you know, as we go throughout the... But let me start by making a few points uh, so that I'm not misunderstood because I'm going to come back and explain this. Uh, the, you know, because I'm a... I'm a preacher, you know, I'm somebody who engages with theology and, and philosophy, you know, Christian theology and philosophy, uh, you know, I don't want people to say, oh, well, that pastor will say, you know, Christians should only vote, vote for Christians. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying here. Um, I'm saying here that Christians should check the value system of the person they're going to be voting for. Mm. Now, the person must be able to hold the very tight and be able to defend to their death the Judeo-Christian view of morality, of the political structure, you know, the economic, you know, system. But which it, it, the, the person may be Christian or may not be, but you're better off with somebody who may not be a Christian, but who really strongly defend these values. I mean, I don't think it's a really good idea if the person is not a Christian at some point under political pressure, they might fold, but you need at least to see the certain level of commitment of the defense of those values. That's number one. Number two, you might be basically betrayed by somebody who says, I am a Christian, but who's got no backbones, can't defend the Christian worldview, doesn't even know it, but they go to church and raise their hands, but they are at the very core, secular, 
and humanistic inner governing thoughts. Mm. Someone like that is a lot more dangerous uh, to you than the person who may not come to church, may not affirm, uh, you know, the, the, the you know that you know Christ has been risen from the dead, but somehow have been seriously influenced by the Judeo-Christian worldview that they believe fundamentally in the tenets of the Judeo-Christian worldview. Now, the perfect image is to have a person who is committed to Christ and who defends and articulates the Christian Judeo-Christian worldview. That's the perfect structure. I'm going to come back to this because this one really, really gets yeah. me fired up. Yeah, and that's exactly right. We're going to have a little bit of a break and you're going to unpack this as we, uh, as we move forward. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And we are continuing on our discussion about um, the political realm and uh, and looking at the candidates that are currently putting their hands up to be part of the, the new government during this election. And Samuel, you um, you were expanding, you're, you were looking at the things that we need to be looking for and you uh, have some ideas around that that you want to expand on. Yes. Um so I'm, I'm going to uh, you know, start where we left off to say that, you know, what matters within a, a political structure like, like our country, Australia, is that we need to have people who understand the foundation upon which the society was built and, and those foundations that need to be preserved because that's what keeps the structure of the house standing. Mm. Rather than these people think everything is open to interpretation, remove all the boundaries that used to be, you know, it's all about me now. And, um, you know, someone used to say, if you find a boundary set somewhere, before you remove it, ask yourself the question, why was it set there? Not how do I feel about this boundary? Mm. Well, no, it's not how you feel about the boundary. Why was it put there in the first place? And if you can dig and understand that, then you may find a proper good justification. Now, these days, it's very easy to conjure up some hard hominem. No, we are evolved. We are the, you know, the, you know, the most, the most, uh, you know, technologically advanced. As though technological advancement makes advancement in morality. Well, no, no. It's a conflation of two things. Being technologically advanced does mean you are morally advanced. So people conflate we technologically technologically advanced therefore we must be morally advanced no not at all mm. and so you need to split the two but let me get back to this uh, this bizarre idea of you hearing a person who's in politics who is a politician who has been elected by the people say who's a christian who raises their hands in church but who said look uh you know my religion is private my yes. Christianity is private, yeah. and when I walk in the hall of the House of Representatives or I walk in the hall of government, I leave my Christianity at the door. Anybody who utters such nonsense, I'm sorry to say, I'm going to show why it is, anybody who utters such nonsense should not even be considered, uh, you, know, uh, wait a minute, you, you know, you wouldn't be, you know, you, you shouldn't be considering giving them your vote. I, I'll tell you what. Anyone who says I'm a Christian, but I run a secular government or a secular state, uh, anyone who says that, this is the implication. Number one, they are admitting that the Christian moral sense, moral value by which they live their life is inferior. Because if your Christian moral sense by which you live your private life, you cannot govern with it, 
Well, first of all, you have very substandard value system that you live your life by. Now, you want to govern us by some order value that you consider higher than your substandard private value you live by. Now, if the value you're going to govern us with was so high, why don't you espouse it in your own personal life? Yeah. Number yeah. one. And if your personal value in your personal life were good enough, why do you have to have two sets of values? One you want to govern by and one that is private to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, work. it's it's a if 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 you if you're gonna live your life by a set of values, there must be the values you consider higher. So if you're gonna govern the, everybody by secular values, then you ought to be secular in your private life. Stop giving us that nonsense that you're religious in your private life and you're secular in your public life. It's nonsense. Mm. Either one of these values is good enough to be espoused in your private and public life. Okay? Yeah. Now, people say that it sounds virtuous. It sounds like it's a good thing to be religious in your private life and rule in, in with a secular value. Well, no. What it tells us is you are philosophically and morally inadequate to think properly about life because there is no reason for somebody to govern others by some high values and live by substandard values in their own private life. If, if that's how you live, well, you shouldn't even be given a chance to be guiding anyone. Mm. Let me go further. The reason I want to give them some charity, I want to be charitable. They're saying that because saying, well, you know, I'm a Christian, not everybody is a Christian. So I am making sure that by guiding everybody, I'm going to go by values that are secular, that have got the capacity to gather everybody because my private Christian life are unable or inadequate to gather people. That whichever way you turn this around, it just sounds ridiculous and it shouldn't be uttered by any intelligent person. Mm. So you're trying to say to us that, okay, I'm a Christian, but I live in a society where other people are not Christian like me. So if I'm going to govern everybody, I need, therefore, to find a set of value system that is adequate to guide everybody because my Christian value is not able to do that. Well, if your Christian value is unable to guide an entire you know, society of people, therefore you need to draw from a secular worldview value that can do that, well, then drop your Christianity altogether. Don't mm. be a Christian. Don't even pretend. Don't even go and raise your hands in church. Stop it, yeah. all right? Because yeah. you're saying that your Christian values yeah. are unable to guide their society. Think about that for a moment. Now, if you are in a society that is majority, you know, non-Christians, yeah? Yeah. I think, I believe, I believe strongly, and this is proven, you know, historically, and, and I can quote the text, and it's, that only a Christian could create a society, only Christian value, not a Christian. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong, because there are Christians who've done that, not what the Christianity taught. I want to say only what Jesus taught has been able to create a pluralistic society, a just society, a fair society. And so when you look across the arc of history, you see that it is the entrance of the Judeo-Christian worldview. I'm going to prove that in a moment at the foundational thoughts 
of our societal structure that created not only the kind of institutions we have, the kind of, you know, voting and democratic system we have, and the kind of, you know, scientific structure of our society, influenced tremendously by the Judeo-Christian worldview, and the kind of commerce we have, these things were developed by the Judeo-Christian worldview. So anyone who says that the Judeo-Christian worldview is incapable of governing society, either they are just a neophyte, someone who's never neither studied nor understood the Judeo-Christian worldview in interaction with history, especially those who are in politics. Yeah. It is really heartbreaking that, you know, people who are actually politicians right now to the highest level of our government are pretty much untutored and unlearned when it comes to the, more, the, the, the foundational structure of our society, that they will utter some nonsense as, oh, I, my faith is private and I guide society by secular values, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So when you come across anyone who's, who's thinking stuff like that, you need to know that person, you know, as I'm saying, is untutored, is neophyte, is, is basically just uttered nonsense, maybe for political reason, but he hasn't actually thought deeply about, I know I've used very strong terms here, I get a bit fired about these things. Um, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying that the world within which you live, Australia, the nature of our Australian system, the principles about upon which it is built, all these were built upon the Judeo-Christian worldview. Every politician who gets into those places need to know this is the foundation upon which this great society was built. And anybody who doesn't hold those values, Australia, you need to think twice before you give them, especially anybody who says, my private values are not the values by, the, by which I, I lead publicly. Anybody who says such thing, you can understand not only the hypocrisy, but also they can't live their life by substandard values and then think they have some values they can't apply to themselves that they're going to guide society by that are superior. No. Yeah, exactly. The, I think the thing that you think about is that the Bible is um it's everything that you need to know is in that book it doesn't matter what area in your life that you're um you're needing to uh, to have direction on the answer to all those questions are in the bible and and people have leave, lived these things with their lives and 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 governed kings um, and, and people and rulers and prophets and all that sort of stuff in the old testament have governed uh, the people of Israel around the laws of God and then walking into the New Testament when Jesus came and walked that out and lived that out and then the disciples carried that with them and just changed the world. Um, that's all been based on uh, on the understanding that there is a creator God, that his son Jesus Christ came to the, to the world that, and that the Bible is a true history of God's love, 
God's creation, God's mm. love for the world, yeah. and God's redemptive plan for the world, and, and what is going yeah. to happen when He comes back. And and if you are not strong enough to uphold that in all of your life, in all aspects of mm. your life, then you're right. You do not deserve yeah. to be sitting in a place of power if you're going yeah. to rule by a substandard moral compass. Um, when yeah. the moral compass we should be using is the one that is really up there and is the one that is high above all things. Yeah. Now here's a here's a, a quick quote by Sir Roger um, um, Brandon Scruton, um, very well respected, you know, philosopher. Uh, English philosopher, he is what says, throughout its most flourishing period, Western civilization has produced a culture which happily absorb and adapt the cultures of other places, other faiths, and other times. Its basic fund of stories, its moral precept, and its religious imagery come from the Hebrew Bible and the Greek new testament did you just like that's exactly to put like an icing on a cake on what you've just said a leader yeah it is all the ability to absorb and to live together with people things people of all the faiths and all the cultures and so on and so forth creating you know a, a, a pluralities within societies is something that the judeo-christian worldview did mm. and anyone who says I'm a Christian, but my Christian faith can't, you know, hold together a pluralistic society. I need to be a secularist out in the public and be a Christian privately. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh, well, we're going okay. to we're, we're going to go down that rabbit hole, which um, I'm really excited about, and that really is about um, uh, understanding. <laughs> how this all applies to everyday life. So we'll do that just after this uh, this song uh, on Life FM. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM and we are discussing um, where, where we stand when we come to uh, living a lifestyle where we have a, a private faith and then we don't operate in that faith in a, in a public setting, which um, I think you expanded or you, you sp spoke about really well, Samuel. And, I, and also understanding that the, the Judeo-Christian worldview allows for people to have the freedom to choose whether or not they wish to believe, uh, you know, the truth about the gospel or whether not. And this is something that God gave us from the very beginning. When he created man, he created us with a free will. And we yeah. have a, we are not dictated to, or we don't dictate. Um, if someone wants to be a Buddhist or a Hindu or an atheist or an agnostic or whatever it is they describe themselves as, they are mm. free to do that under a Christian worldview. It doesn't mm. mean that we wouldn't go and uh, and try and, and convince them and show them uh, who God is and 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 where their thoughts are, are possibly you know going in the wrong direction um, and mm. bring them around to that and, and so that they have an understanding of that and because they know what that looks like they then have a choice to make and they choose one way or the other but that is something yeah. that is inherent in Christianity that yeah. that we have a free will and we have freedom of choice as to what we do with our lives and we can choose to follow God or we can choose to follow our own thing but that we are free to do that within a Christian society yeah um, you, you've, you've nailed it there especially 
this this uh, the election coming up, if there is anything that really should be weighing on, you know, the Australian mind, uh, and I say this seriously because since you know the last two years, 2020, 2021, we have seen some of the scenarios that were other, you know, you know, sometime you know in the past were unthinkable, like absolutely unthinkable. Um, when it comes to you know a great country, great society like Australia, you know we, we've seen some 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 images that were shocking. Mm. Um, you know it, it tells you that if we were in crisis, the core of people's belief come up. You know, especially those who are ruling. We saw people basically chuck freedoms, you know, freedom of of belief, freedom of of conscience, freedom of religion, freedom of expression, and freedom of opinion. Uh, even freedom to protest, freedom to petition one's government, and so on. So all these freedoms were chucked out of the window at convenience in the last two years. Yeah. And we watched some scenarios within within our, our, our you know, you know, people saw those pictures, you know, of of, of a, a young a young woman, you know, pregnant as she was, just because she she had some point of view about you know not not accepting. Uh, some some uh, you know uh, um, you know orders or directives that the government was setting in place and just saying something about it on social media, you know I had you know police just showed up at their door in front of their children and and in in a pajamas yeah uh, and and she was supposed to go and have a a, a you know go for a, a scan you know we watched you know, big massive you know you know rubber bullets shot on regular Australians who just wanted to express their view that they disagreed with some some way the government was dealing policy-wise with, with you, know, the, you know, the crisis we, we were facing. And and so we, we just, you watch, you know, police stand on the old woman's, nearly grab her on her thoughts, throats, you know, so a, a man, you know, head banged on the, on the floor. That these things that should have been shocking, that you know, anyone who... With a good decency, who's in in power would have raised their voice and go, "Well, that's not that's not Australia. That's not Australia at all." No. And, and you know, we watched you know police take a phone from a, an old woman sitting, two old women sitting on a bench in a park mm. by themselves, away from everybody else. And once they pull out their phones to video what was happening to them, we saw just cowardly the police just grab their phones and chuck it on the floor. Like just the kind of scenes that you couldn't have imagined, and and why am I starting there? Because the erosion of a philosophical foundation of a particular system, once it erodes, then you can see the behavior of the people who are in power in that society start to line up with the newfound philosophy, right? Mm, yes. Because the foundation of the Western civilization and Western democracies was first and foremost built on the freedoms. The freedoms were not something you got from government. No, the government didn't dish out freedoms. No. The freedoms were dished out by God, all right? It was things that, yeah, before somebody said, but I don't believe in God, it was not a matter whether people believed in God or not. It was a matter of where do the freedoms come from? If they came from government, the government could take it away and give it back as they wish, which is what we've seen in the last 22 uh, years. But the freedoms that people had came from their human dignity. Start, you start with values before you come to the freedoms. Yeah, are you with me? Yeah. Yes. First of all, we consider that 
they were certain rights that were inalienable. Like mm. the way the American Constitution says, we considered certain truths to be self-evident. Okay? Yeah. That all men are created equal. It used, didn't used to be like that in Greek societies or in Roman societies. Even you're going to say that somehow you and the emperor had some, you know, you know, some values. No, no, you didn't, you know. And so the idea that all men, the beggar on the street and the king sitting on his throne were created equal was the, the most incredible invention of the Judeo-Christian worldview. And because they created you equal, Therefore, they are endowed by their creator with these inalienable rights, you know, yeah. rights to life, yeah. you know, you know, rights to, you know, the choice of the freedoms of choosing what one's going to do. So no one can choose when somebody's going to live and someone's going to die because everybody's got the same right to life. And so they have these inalienable rights, which are rights to life and rights to liberty and the pursuit of their own happiness. I'd like to actually uh, open that up uh, uh, for you so you can see, and for our listeners, so that they can see exactly how these two concepts that were really a tremendous invention of the Judeo-Christian worldview inter in in intertwine, or they, they interlink and work together. Uh, start with, for example, the idea that if somebody has got right to life, what is it to have rights to live if you can't make any choice that is free with that life? If, if, it is, if you are unable to choose what you do with that life, then you are not free to live at all. Mm. So to start by the fact that you know, government didn't give people their lives. I mean, government doesn't give anybody their life. <clears throat> and and that, that's an, this is why the, the, you know, the, the, the American framers you know, were right to frame it that these are self-evident truths. You know, the government doesn't give anybody life. Life doesn't come from government. It doesn't come from politicians. It doesn't come from the prime minister or is me, whoever is in the cabinet. Life comes from God. Life is this sort of incredible uh, miracle that, that just simply comes from God. You know, no, no, no single celebrity is capable of doing, giving anybody life. So once somebody's got a life, they have rights to that life so long as they can live that life the way they choose. Mm, yes. And so they must have the freedom to choose what they do with that life. Now, now, of course, every freedom has got some limitations. Why? Because uh, the limitations are based on the principle of value system and what is right from what is wrong. But it was not government either that determines what is right and what is wrong. This is where things like rights to the freedom of conscious came in. Okay? The freedom to believe what you want to believe, the freedom to choose one's worship, worship that comes with freedom of religion. So freedom of conscience, it means that there is the sense of what is right and what is wrong that is not determined by government, but it is determined by a value higher than government. And so because you can't have a conscience, if your own conscience is not what actually convinces you what is right from what is wrong. So that's the, the whole point of having a conscious is so that your conscious can, can direct and dictate, uh, this is right, this is not right. Now, and, and so you look at that freedom of conscious and that means freedom to worship or freedom to believe. You know, no one is going to be forced to believe whether there's God or there's not God or whether they should be Christian or Hindu or Muslim. 
this is what made this society, like the idea of plurality of belief, pluralism itself is a, it was only possible because of the Judeo-Christian worldview. And so you can actually see uh, that it is the reason why, it is the reason why Christianity, I mean, did some Christian force people to believe in Christ? Yes, but Jesus never, or even the teaching of Christ, never forced anybody to believe. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, so whosoever believes, not whosoever is forced to believe. And so Christianity thrives on a proselytizing. What does that mean? It means the ability to talk with others, trusting that they have the capacity to assess, the freedom to think, the freedom to have their conscience prickled so that they can themselves change their mind. So you can notice that we started to lose these freedoms from the very moment where politicians start to say, you religion in your closet or in your private place and in a public place, you can't proselytize. Yeah. Well, because the proselytizing is what shows the superiority of ideas. If you have an idea and you are not free to share it, you're not free to make the case so that others can come to join that idea. You've lost a sense of any society. Look at what's happening at the election right now. Politicians come out and they believe that people have the wisdom to be able to assess between this political party, that political party, this candidate, that candidate, the idea they pitch, whether these economic ideas, political ideas, social ideas, and people have got the freedom to go, that's the best idea. That's proselytizing. So you notice our society <laughs> yeah. Yeah, started mm. to basically shut down the proselytizing of the Christian worldview, which was the foundation of these freedoms. It is the reason why you've seen this intolerance that we have on the public place. Look at what has happened during the COVID crisis, for example. Some ideas were considered deemed too dangerous to even be heard. Yes. Right? And so, and, and that's why you have now to start to shut the freedom down because you no longer believe that people have got the freedom of conscience, that people have got the freedom of choice, of ideas they're going to be adhering to. And therefore, you are even unable to pitch the moral superiority of your idea. Therefore, you need to use force to shut their ideas down. Now, think about it, Alida, um, this is serious, because as you're heading into the elections, you have to be able to look at the people who are going to ask for your vote, whether they actually truly believe that it's only the collusion of ideas that makes the best idea win. Mm. If they believe, like it has been in Victoria or all across the, the land, that force must be brought to bear when one's ideas are not good enough to be able to convince the populace, then someone like that doesn't deserve your vote. And mm. it's the people who are unable to, de to defend the worldview that built this great society. Let me give you a quick quote um, here. You know, any value, anything that one is unable to, any value that one is unable to hold dear and believe you know what yeah let me let me quote it properly what you do not value you will not protect much less cultivate and i'll add much less fight for it to your last breath mm. so so if we value life you know everybody must be free to live their life if we value conscious you can't have a democracy without people having a conscious for heaven's sake 
Yeah. You can't. No. You can't have a democracy if people are not free to express their ideas. Mm. If people are not free to criticize their government. If people are not free to petition the government. If people are not free to actually say that no, what the government is doing is wrong. So that, as I was saying earlier, as we start, just a young lady, you know, on Facebook, on social media, as I said, oh, I don't know whether it was Facebook or what, uh, on social media, posting that, no, we don't believe in these lockdowns, had the police intimidately, you know, with an intimidation attitude, show up at the door yeah. and, and suddenly, you know, <laughs> arrest her yeah. in front of her kids mm. and and basically just to make an example of her in this sort of most intimidating way. And so you can see that this is, like, like as, we, as we had it in the election here, um, every, every, everyone who's going to be voting need to think about these freedoms. It must be center stage. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to uh, wrap this discussion up uh, after in a few minutes. Um, so we'll just uh, go across to a great song. And, uh, and then, Samuel, we will have a bit of a, uh, a wrap-up of what we've been talking about. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM and we've been talking politics and freedom and all sorts of interesting things, uh, Samuel, and we're about to wrap it all up for our listeners as we, uh, as we finish our program. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been quite a nice, nice good journey. Well, the, the, the bulk of it, uh, Alida, is to say to our listeners, you know the reason why we have a radio program like this. We are sharing freely ideas that they are free to assess, see whether the case is convincing or not convincing. They must have that freedom. Otherwise, they wouldn't be living in a society like Australia. They'd be living in a society that just does propaganda where there is no, no opposing views. And so, uh, you know, it's like we're coming into an election and, you know, as a voter, don't let, I, I'd say to you, our listeners, let not people just pivot to, oh, look, it was just simply, look, economically, you know, the jobs. By the way, even the economic arguments, think of because of freedom, if you don't have the freedom to choose your beliefs, you may not have the freedom to work and earn any living. Well, that's what you know, we're, we're living we're in seen. now. We're living in, the, we're living exactly. in that now. Exactly. And and all those freedoms have gone and there isn't freedom of speech and people aren't allowed to put their ideas out there and they're not allowed to um, give an opposing view, whether it's scientific or true or anything. And and it's playing out now right in front of our eyes and people, yeah, Yeah. we're all flabbergasted. Um, Well, some are. And other people are just going along with it to have peace. But it's it's It's, not going to work. It's it's like to say that, with everything that's happened within 2020, 2021, if you really sit down in your conscious of conscious and think this decision here, I made it, I made it personally. I was not coerced. I was not basically pushed uh, and so on and so forth. The government didn't push me to do this. Then that's, then you're free. But if you said, well, actually I couldn't have done this if it was not because I was told you're not going to work, you know, you're not going to go in some other places, you're not going to be able to go enjoy your social life, then you know you'd be coerced. Yeah, That's exactly. how coercion works, yeah. right? Because yeah. you are not if if you had this choice and freely, you would have gone that way. But because you know you were told you will not have this, you will lose this, you will lose that, then you have lost the freedom. So let no one just simply shift around and say, oh no, it's just about economics and and the economics, you know, metrics has been great. 
this is why you got to give as your vote. You got to ask what's economics without freedom. You know, mm. you know, your democracy works within freedom. Economics work within freedom. So we have therefore, I was saying, you need to start with the, you know, um, right to life, freedom, uh, you know, rights to live your life, and to be free to do so. And you need the freedom of conscience. Uh, you need, if you have a conscience, you must be able to express it. Yes. If you have conscience and you're told whatever you believe, keep it to yourself in your own heart. Then you don't have the freedom to conscious. If you have a conscious, you must be able to express it. And from the freedom of expression comes all the other freedoms, freedom of press, for example. The press must have, we've even seen some, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, journalistic organizations shut down uh, because they just had held opinions that were not, you know, allowed to be uttered. So we freedom of the press was tempered with. Mm. Uh, you know, the freedom of assembly. You must be free with your conscience to gather with people who share your same kind of values, freedom to assemble. So you have to have the freedom of conscience, freedom of expression, freedom of press, freedom to assemble, and the freedom to choose the people who are running your life. People are going to be making policies. You know, that's where democracy comes from. They're pitching us now to vote for them. So think, would these people be able to hold the, you know, my freedom to conscious, freedom uh, to express my conscious, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble with whom I believe the same thing, freedom to go to the church that I like, or to go to believe what I believe, and freedom to be able to engage within the society, you know, without feeling like, you know, my ideas can't be shared on the public place. Mm. So that should be the fundamental criteria upon which you give your you know, your, your vote. And, and so that if, if you are able to determine that as your fundamental value upon which you vote, the people that are going to be elected will care about that. But if you do not, slowly, slowly we lose these freedoms and there will be no democracy left. Yeah. And that will be the sad thing. This is the consequence of removing Christ out of a public, out the public square. Yes, and that's exactly. what I've always said as I'm closing our leader, Churches, people in the church ministers, let's stop this. Stay within your walls. Let's get out. Christianity is a public religion. It yes. was preached publicly in Jerusalem. It was always preached publicly. It was not put within the walls or invite people there. No, no, no. It's if it's a good idea, people will adhere to it. And people are free to not adhere to it. That's what makes the Christian worldview great. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Samuel, for uh, your insights into the political process and what we're facing and what people should be thinking about. And uh, we hope, um, we wish everybody all the best as they work through that process. And next week, we will have another subject to tackle. But in the meantime, Samuel, have a great week and we'll catch you next week. We will indeed. Thank you, Alida.